the love of Jesus. What brings us together, the music asks, and says the love of Jesus. In that love we are one. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, non-voters, yeah, non-voters, non-registered folk, we are one. What brings us together? Jesus brings us together. Uh, what brings us together? All the varieties of hues in our space. All are the variety of skin tones in our space. What brings us together? Only by God's grace, the love of Jesus brings us together. What brings us together from gated communities to living on the streets to having enough, to not having enough, to speaking many languages, to being monolingual. What brings us together? Jesus' love. This is what makes us one beyond anything that can separate us, beyond anything, any labels that are created for us, beyond even anything we just love and identify, ice cream eaters, non-ice cream eaters, whatever those things are, what makes us one is Jesus' love. And the fact that in that grace, God can do something that humans alone just can't seem to make happen. And, so, and Jesus knew this about us. Jesus knew this as Jesus in ministry walked in and among a variety of kinds of people who always tried to tell him what to do and what he was doing wrong. You know, Jesus, your disciples aren't washing their hands right before they eat. Y'all remember that one? That's a fun one. And the only way they could wash their hands right is to have lots of money and have lots of clean water and to have lots of time to do all the ritual cleansings that was there to be done. And so people were constantly on to Jesus for his eating habits. You know, he would eat with anybody. He would eat with anybody. Tax collectors, Zacchaeus, short people. Jesus ate with short people. You know, Jesus, Jesus even would tell him, yay, okay, here we go. Are you taller than me? I forget. Do you have heels on today? Yeah, okay, I'm tall, yeah. Jesus... <laughs> Jesus would eat with you, Angela. <laughs> you know, so this is what binds us together is the love of Jesus that even showed us in action and ministry that we are one by going out of the way to those that others might not eat with, might not be at table with, and invite them in and to share a meal with them. Jesus knew that that was one way to bring people together was that family meal. You know, and it would even tell you, I'm coming to your house tonight, get ready. Fix me something good. Because you see, you know, Jesus was an eater. You'll notice, you'll notice from all these stories, Jesus is an eater. You know, he's going to tell you to cook for him. He's going to tell you to have food for everybody. He's going to multiply loaves and fish for thousands of people. Jesus cares about food and cares about people eating. And he's an eater himself. Anybody else identify? Yeah, I'm an eater. I hope all y'all are eaters or we won't see you next Sunday. <laughs> Uh, you know, I hope you, I hope you are. So Jesus is an eater. I love, uh, some of you may know that Connie and Carla movie. It's about two women who pretend to be men who pretend to be women so that the mob doesn't catch up with them. And there's, a, there's a, a moment in the movie where one of the women is saying, you better stop eating that because you won't fit in that dress anymore. And so she didn't like that too much. So she waits till they get on stage. And she goes on stage in a big dramatic pause in the stop. And she's afraid she's going to tell them that they're really women pretending to be men, pretending to be women. Instead, what she says is, I am an eater. And she says, and all of you people out there, prize your bodies. All the shapes, all the sizes, 
all the creations of God prize it because we are all and should be eaters. Oh, here's someone. I've got some thumbs up over here. So what does that have to do with our sermon this morning? It has to do with what is the family meal, la familia. How do we make use of what Jesus knew, get to people together around tables and get them to eat? Get them to listen and get them to tell stories. Find out about who they are and so doing, make them family. Jesus indeed is an eater. One of our uh, UFMCC pastors, Lisa Heilig, was on a conference call with me this week. We're on a team that talks about racial reconciliation within the denomination and if we're doing what we need to do. And she lives in Decatur, Georgia, really close to the border. And she said how she was afraid for her spouse this week. She was afraid. She found herself waking up and making phone calls to her spouse during the week because of the violence that's been happening in our country and the killings that have been happening. And, and, and so she would call her at all these times. And she said, so what she's really doing, because she feels like she can't do anything else, but she knows how to cook. And she's been making some really good meals. Because all the energy, all the anxiety, all the worry about her wife's safety has gone into, I can feed her really well. You know, and we might pay the consequences later, but I can feed her really well right now. I can do something. Oscar Romero's quote in our scripture this morning, you may not be able to do everything. You may not be able to undo all of the isms in our world that are causing such strife. But you can do something. And you can do that something well. And you can do that for another person. So remember that you all have something you can do and that you can do well. Even if it's just making sure that instead of fear and anxiety, you're living into a good meal. I think Jesus would say, amen. Amen to that. Now, let's move into Esther and let's move into La Familia even more. Sometimes we don't know how to eat together because we come from different places. I don't know what your family meal was like growing up, but uh, ours was one where mom had to go through everything that happened all day in school, in your classes, you had to tell her. And then at the end of the conversation with all of us at the same meal all the time, mom would then check on my three sisters, and she would check on their periods, whether they had started yet or not, <laughs> and whether they were all in sync or not. You know, so, so this is our table conversation growing up. I've learned not to do that in guest homes. <laughs> I've, I've learned. But I had, you know, depending on what you grew up with, you have your rules for conversation and when you show up at the table and how you show up at the table and, and uh, how you are family together. But what's important is that we're family together. And sometimes we make mistakes as we go into other people's homes. And I want to show you this clip from McFarland, USA, where this coach is trying to get it right, visiting one of the players' homes. And he sort of does and sort of doesn't. Saying no is rude, but throwing up is rude too. 
you know, as we learn how to be in different families and homes. And then she makes the point home. You're here with us eating. What about your family? You're supposed to be with your family. Eat with your family. Don't say no to me. Do, do what I tell you to do. Eat with your family. He works all the time, but he makes sure he's home with his family. The importance of the meal, la familia. The importance of knowing who's in your family, what's happening, what's going on. Uh, research shows that Latino families are 10 times more likely to emphasize the value of eating together. 10 times more valuable in Latino families than other families eating together. And that value gets carried forward in their other relationships too. What does it mean to sit down and have meals with one another, to share stories with one another? Because that's how we know each other. One of the, research, one of the people in this study said, for the family, eating was always done together. Never separate, as the meals were always something that brought us together. Eating separately is more of an American invention or concept, which explains why, as, if I, as I have become more American, I have begun to see eating on my own as less of a big deal. So the cultural values of coming into a country and learning and learning to eat on their own rather than with family, and is that a good thing? You know, is it a necessary thing? How do we keep the values of what it means for us to eat together? Because Jesus certainly knew it was powerful. And so how do we use that power in our own lives to be with others and build relationships? In that same study at Notre Dame at the Latino Institute of Latino Studies, it says, often our identities through food remain even after immigration for two or sometimes three generations even the food of choice allows one to reject the dominant culture, such as the choice to eat an enchilada over a hot dog. You know? So even when you've moved to a new place and the culture may be affecting whether you eat alone or not, the choice of food can last even longer with your identity, keeping you connected to your culture, keeping you connected to your roots. Food lasts for generations. You don't believe me? You think of the meal that you had growing up that you would still eat today, even if it was kind of lousy, but it was because mom made it. I have one of those. It's called Egg Alley Goldenrod. I will never fix it for you. <laughs> I will never fix it. But it's a part of the story and the identity of my family of gathering around, and that was her special Sunday morning meal that the rest of us did not like. But she was doing her best. My mom was not a cook. So, in this part of the story, we have Jesus eating Jesus' way through the Gospels, as scholars says it. Jesus ate his way through the Gospels. Now we get to a book of the Bible called Esther, and we get to a place where there's another banquet. And in the book of Esther, you really eat your way through the Bible. There are ten chapters in Esther, and there are ten banquets in Esther. So, I mean, you're eating every chapter. So if you, want a, if you want a book that says we are eaters, go to the book of Esther. Again, it's a people that are living outside their homeland. It's a people living in what's called the diaspora. And in that place, they're trying to maintain their own identity, their own safety. And Esther, essentially, at this point in time, has a hidden identity as a Jew. She's not open about her heritage at all. But she knows these meals are important. And she starts to engage in these banquets. Banquets in ways that decisions are made. You know, if you have the right people at the table, you don't even have a board meeting. These people at the table make a decision. 
you know, that ends up affecting others. And so this is how the politics are happening in the book of Esther. And she's learning how to do that for her own survival and for the survival of her people. Have you ever been in one of those conversations where something happened over a cup of coffee that couldn't have happened in any other way? Or with sharing a piece of, like, cheesecake, you know, and just help the decision happen that needed to happen. So here Esther is negotiating in these ten banquets how to help save her people and when is good timing for her to move forward. The word mishta is Hebrew for feast. It appears in the book of Esther 20 times, mishta, 10 chapters, two times per chapter. And if you don't think that's a lot, in the whole rest of the Bible, the word mishta is used 24 times. Rest of the Bible, 24 times, Esther 20 times, the importance of meal and the importance of what happens when we get together. So eating through the book of Esther, much like Jesus eats through the Gospels over and over again, what keeps us together, the love Jesus shares with us, and one of the ways Jesus shared love with us was by eating together. There's a wonderful movie called Tortilla Soup. Hector Elizondo is the parent in the movie. He's a widower. And he's a widower who has three adult daughters. So he's a Latino widower with three adult daughters who wants to keep control of them, but they're all adults. Can you imagine that? He's also a chef. And so part of the way he's kept his daughters together is by cooking for them and by requiring that they come for meals. And so they've come for meals, but their meals are much like the book of Esther. Because when everyone shows up for a meal... As likely as not, one of those daughters isn't going to get up and say, I have an announcement to make. And the father kind of goes like this. I have an announcement to make. I'm going to move out of the house and move in with my non-Latino boyfriend. He wants to cook another meal after that. <laughs> bring them back together. So, so throughout the movie, they're eating their way through the movie, and these announcements keep happening to him through the movie. And part of what the movie tries to do is address the fact that he's losing his sense of taste. And as a chef, what does it mean for him to not have a sense of taste anymore? And one of his daughters even does some, goes a step further and says, You know, Dad, I'm going to become a chef too, like you, but I'm not going to cook like you. I'm going to cook differently than you cook. And so as the movie progresses, it goes on through all these meals where things keep changing. The earth changes each meal the family has together. And at the last one, you're eating in the banquet hall of the daughter's restaurant, where she is now the chef. And she serves them a meal together. All the families gathered there with fine linens. And uh, she puts the meal out, and the father starts to get up with his plate to go. And she says, no, you sit down. This is my house. And what happens in the meal is he starts to get his sense of taste back. People, we can lose what we need to be in touch with and we can gain it back. We can try and keep everything together by controlling everyone around us in any way we know how. We can rest into Jesus offering us God's love. And maybe our taste returns. Maybe our connection to fellow human beings returns. Maybe we celebrate everyone doing something they're passionate about and that they love. Maybe we also are able to be appalled by anyone whose life is cut short or anyone who doesn't get a chance to do what it is that they love. Maybe when we're connected to Jesus' love, we're called to be in those spaces. There's a wonderful Mexican fable 
Like Water for Chocolate, written by Laura Esquivel. And in the story, the family, the family again is so important. But in this story, the family has had too much power, and this daughter doesn't find her freedom. This daughter is caught at home, taking care of the elderly and just not allowed to leave. And so as Like Water for Chocolate progresses, what happens is she funnels all of her emotion into her food. You may know some people like this. She funnels all of her emotion into her food that she makes for others. But what's unique in the fable is that as she does that, people experience what she's feeling. So if she's feeling a little sexy, you know what happens. They eat her food, and they all feel a little sexy. And then there's a wild rumpus in the movie. (laughs) You know? If she's feeling grief, then what happens, everyone who eats her food starts to cry starts to feel the grief, the intensity. And in the movie, the love that's taken away from her finally returns at the end. And they finally are able to consummate their love. And when they consummate their love, it's combustible. Everything burns up. Have you ever felt like that when you consummate any love? Everything burns up. Everything burns up. The only thing that's left in the fable is the cookbook. The cookbook from all the recipes of generations that she was cooking from. And at the end of the story, they actually say the recipes, as long as the recipes are made, she will live on. As long as those recipes are made and people eat them, she will live on. And I believe that's what Jesus says to us. In the last two meals he shared with disciples, one, he cooked barbecue and made everybody eat. And the other one, he's on the road to Emmaus, and they recognize him when they sit down to dinner. Jesus says food is important, food matters, and food is holy. And then Jesus says in the last week of his life, when we celebrate this feast, says the recipes matter, the time you spend together matters, the food you eat together matters. Each time you gather together, each time you gather together, remember me. Each time you cook this meal I am alive again. Each time you take this food, you become my body. La familia, eat together. Know one another. As we eat the body of Christ, know that we are one. What brings us together? God's love. It's a recipe for changing the world. Amen.